Welcome to Cordell and Cordell's Men's Divorce Podcast, moderated by managing partner and CEO Scott Trout, bringing you information for guys before, during, and after divorce, and everything related to family law. This podcast is not to be taken as legal advice, and no attorney-client relationship is established. Hey, welcome back. I'm Scott Trout, managing partner and CEO of Cordell and Cordell, and the continuing in the final series of what we've been talking about, and that is the economics of divorce. And yeah, we want to talk about not just divorce, but the effect of it financially. As uh, Mr. Cordell and uh, my previous guest, Will Halaz, we've talked a lot about in our our continuing series, and that is just let's not focus on what happens in divorce. The, the, you know those technical things dealing with property, custody, support, looking beyond that and treating that whole issue, the whole body in, in terms of divorce. And that's kind of the what I had said, and I know Mr. Cordell and I talked a lot about, and that is kind of the unwritten secret, and that is what happens after divorce. We really should talk about that, and that's why I'm joined by not only Aaron uh, with our Chesterfield, Missouri Town & Country office, but we have a guest today appearing, and Gabrielle, welcome to the Economics of Divorce. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Scott. Good to be here. Aaron, nice to be here as well. Thank you. So we brought Gabrielle because Gabrielle happens to be a lawyer, a certified uh, financial uh, divorce financial analyst, has a master's in tax, and has written a book that I think is really key and on point. And we're really fortunate to have Gabrielle. And the name of the book is Marriage is About Love, Divorce is About Money. The business of divorce, and I think it's it's spot on, Gabrielle. Uh, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. How can they get the book first of all before we get talking a little bit about the issue? If anyone want it, oh well, it's on Amazon. Great. You can oh, and BarnesandNoble.com. So you can uh, just in the search bar put in the title or put put in my name, Gabrielle Clemens, and it will it will come up. And you can buy a Kindle version, or you can buy the, um, the the paperback version. Awesome. So you know, picking up where we left off, in and that is, we talked a lot about the. Uh, calculator, the economics of divorce retirement slash calculator, planner calculator that we posted on our website. And I'd encourage you, if you haven't checked it out, go do so. Watch the last podcast because simply we we use some examples. You know, we were talking about there are three parts to the economics of divorce. Part A, which is really staying married. Part B, which is divorce. And then we, we really were going to get through into part C today, which are really what are the options that you have when you know you're dividing your assets, you've made that decision to go through with the divorce, and then obviously your life changes, your lifestyle may change. Uh, that's something you have to think about. Um, and Aaron, one of the things we were talking off camera, and that is advising clients about kind of the options. That is, and I know we've talked about this in the first two parts of our our series, and that is, they can get a better job, making more money. Uh, they can get a different job, uh, making more money. They can get a second job, which a lot of clients do because obviously they've just given up 50% or more of their assets and it's impacted their retirement. Or what we didn't allude to, and we were joking offline, marry an heiress, somebody who's got a lot of money, and you don't have to worry about parts one <laughs> and two. So, I mean, obviously, are you talking to your clients about that and uh, giving them some advice about what are the options post-divorce? In my experience, from the very beginning, the, f- the first conversation with any client um, once you're looking through their property and their assets and their liabilities, um, it's the converse, It's the first conversation had is what their life is going to look like. Mm-hmm. And it's the hardest concept from the very beginning. When you have 
a gentleman come in and all of a sudden what looks great on paper mm-hmm. is going to be in half in, within a year, yeah. that's a hard pill to swallow. So, of course, there's a lot of questions to be answered on where do I go, what do I do, and you lay out those options, yeah. and they're not— they're not attractive. I mean, no no one wants to hear that they might have to get a second job. No one wants to hear that they have to work longer. But unfortunately, it's the reality of divorce. And my job is to make sure I, I walk them through that. You can't just leave them high and dry at the end of the at the end of the case. You gotta provide options. You gotta refer them to someone like Gabrielle who can who can help, you know. Rebuild their life because yeah. that's essentially what you have to do. I mean, it's like I've always mentioned divorce. Uh, our job as family law lawyers is like a doctor. And I was just thinking you were talking about many of our clients are focused on this cancer in their marriage and they just want the cancer gone. And they're not really focused on, okay, the process of what it takes to get rid of that cancer, what it does to your body, what chemo does. Maybe you're um, removing parts of your body and they're not thinking about post because. Divorce, I've always said divorce is, there's no winner in divorce. Right. It's, it's degrees of losing. Mm-hmm. Each of you are going to walk away with less than what you started with. I have never had a case in my 30 years, ever, where my client got 100%. Have you? Nope, yeah. never. Now, I've got 90-10, gotten close. But, but, but you know. to that end, I mm-hmm. will tell you on that, mm-hmm. that I've never actually had a case either mm-hmm. where, I mean, literally in 20 years, where the person wasn't happy that they chose I mean, yeah, it's hard. Mm-hmm. It costs money. You you're losing h- half of your your yeah. your asset profile, but they're happier when it's over. Yeah, and you said, you know, after watching this series, you said that I think why would anyone want to get divorced? Right. You we're trying to convince them. And Gabrielle, I imagine you may see the same thing. You know, when you counsel clients, I mean, really, maybe let's start here. What is it that your job is? Everyone's going to want to know. Okay, Gabrielle, what do you do? Well, I, I wear a lot of hats. I, I wear many different hats. Um, but when a client comes to me, I, I start at the end. And we, we gain perspective on the process. We gain perspective on uh, the finances by beginning with what does your post-divorce like life, what does that look like? Tell me, tell me why you're getting divorced. Tell me what you think is out there. What do you want that you're not getting here? And by building out the future, by building out the vision, and actually in my, in my book, I recommend um, an exercise that you, you start building a vision board because that's where your perspective is going to come from. So when you keep your eye on, on the ball, you keep your eye on the future, then you're not as you're not going through the angst as much because you know what you're working towards and you keep an eye on that. So when someone's presented with a proposal, we don't know whether or not that proposal is going to work for us or not. So we put it into our plan, we run the numbers, and we look at the vision and say, well, that actually could work for, for, for our vision. And that vision can always change. But it's putting the pieces of the puzzle together for the future that you can do the work and survive and thrive after divorce. So how many uh, – I find it interesting. We've always talked throughout the, the podcast, not just the series, about utilizing experts and utilizing external resources, whether it be psychiatrists, psychologists, uh, accountants, forensic accountants, whatever it may be, and now really a financial analyst in divorce. Gabrielle, are you coming in at the beginning most of the time? Are you coming in middle, end, or is it all over the board? 
Well, I like to get involved as early as possible. A lot of people contact me first to see what it would look like if they were to initiate a divorce process. What should they be aware of? What should they be doing? Getting their ducks in a row before they even ask for a divorce. They want to know what's the process. What is the what is the likelihood of success that I'm going to you know get 50% or what is it going to look like on the other side? So there are those people who start the beginning and then there are those people that I'm referred to by an attorney and they say, well, this person's done and now they have their settlement and we need to start building building out their 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 financial plan. So the earlier that I get involved, the better because we can really structure a structure a settlement that is going to work for this family uh, post-divorce. And so I find I was reading just some of your bio, which I find interesting. And it's not just about money. You mentioned some of the topics in the book or how to navigate the legal process because you bring the perspective uh, as a practitioner who did some divorce. Also, how to understand and document your finances and how to build an emotional support system. So it really is this all-inclusive really role that you can provide for clients, which I found intriguing. Yes, absolutely. The first step is to get a therapist. So before you hire your attorney, before you you put your team together, find a therapist. And and in addition to the therapist, because if it's a good divorce therapist, they will have access to or perhaps have built out a divorce support group. I'm involved with several divorce support groups, and they are the light, the lifeline for people who are going through divorce. Some are just for men, some are just for women, some are, you know, are, um, you know, for both. And but it gives them an opportunity to hear what other people are going through, to understand and, and keep in perspective that this process doesn't need to define you. You're not always going to be going through a divorce. This is something that's happening that will will end at some point, and you may not like it. You may not be happy about it, but but it's happening. And the best way to understand it is to talk to people who've been through it, people who are going through it, and add that to your to your list of people on your team to get you through this process. You don't want to to be defined as a divorce person, um, you know, going forward. You you have a life. You're you're going through this process, whether you've initiated it or your spouse has initiated it, um, and you're you have a vision for the future. So let's let's focus on that. Let's get through this process. That's what it is. And you want to get the most information as possible. Get your experts. Build a team. Do all your exercises, look at the future, what do you want, and that can change, and and take this process, take this path, this journey, if you will, in a direction that's going to lead you to a result that you can live with and build your future on. Aaron, it's interesting, Gabrielle mentions a team, a team of people, and I always think, and, and, and guys watching may think, you know, I don't have a lot of money, I have money, I have a little bit of retirement, I have a pension, Whatever that may be, but and they may be um, scared away from this idea because they're thinking this is only for people with money. It's not. I mean, everybody has to face the economics of divorce and that things change and you have to change your plan, right? In terms, I don't care if you have a fifty thousand dollars or five million dollars, whatever it is in an account, it requires a team of people divorce lawyer, certified financial divorce or divorce financial analyst, someone who has got that experience, right? Don't you see that as uh, kind of in your experience and and practice? Absolutely. I think what Gabrielle said was you wear many hats. Mm -hmm. That's very, very true. Um, I think that's dead on. Um, 
in addition to the finances, there's the counseling. I mean, I spend a lot of my time just walking someone through that process. When they first sit down, it's like a deer in a headlights because you're explaining to them what's going to happen. Um, I haven't had the experience where people have met with other people before coming to hire an attorney. Mm-hmm. Um, my experience is more that they're sort of vetting right the first time they meet with me as an initial consult, um, walk me through the process. And it's a daunting process. Yeah. But having said that, you you have that team. You have the, the group of people together. Um, if you don't have to have a financial advisor, if you don't, you know, if you don't have that much money, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean you're not going to get the help. You know, that's with what our experiences are as attorneys, especially in divorce, mm-hmm. on how economic, how it's going to affect them and their finances at the end of the day. Yeah, that's my job is to walk them through that, and it's you know it's a long process. It's daunting, but it doesn't matter how much you have. At the end of the day, they're still going to have approximately yeah. half. So, Gabrielle, one of the things we have offered at Cordell and Cordell is we do also, like yourself, um, we have a number of our attorneys who have a master in tax. Uh, are you looking at settlement proposals and advising clients on the tax ramifications, meaning that, okay, this asset really isn't worth 100000 because it's a pre-tax asset when you're giving your wife post-tax? Is that something you also do? Yes, absolutely. We, what they call tax effect, the settlement. Uh, and we also look at the types of assets that you're, that you're taking in the divorce. So typically, you know, we equalize the retirement assets um, as as its own as it, as its own um, you know uh, category, and then we take the non tax or the taxable assets. So we have the retirement assets that are non taxable and the taxable assets. And if there are a thousand shares of Google, you're each getting fifty. It's not you're getting the Google and you're getting the Apple stock, or you're getting this mutual fund and you're getting you know the other fund. So it's important to keep in mind the tax ramifications of any settlement. And uh, because it could seriously affect the outcome and your cash flow and what you're really netting out in the settlement versus what maybe thought mm-hmm. you were. Yeah. And when you consider any maintenance proposal, I mean, that's kind of the whole idea is, all right, what do I have left? I mean, that can serve as the basis, especially in Missouri. Uh, other states may, may differ is one of the elements of support is that the client still has to be able to meet their reasonable needs and expenses before they can pay spousal support. So that net effect is also equally important. Oh, I completely agree. And I think if you don't have an attorney that knows, that understands the tax ramifications and understands um, how to offset the assets in order to get that 50-50, that could be really detrimental to a client. That is a huge part of the Mm -hmm. settlement process is, is taxing, what happens, how do I pay, how do I do this apples to apples? You know, because giving someone part of a 401k versus the equity in the house, Mm -hmm. that's not a fair settlement. They're not the same. And so you have to be able to, um, to work through that and have hopefully have some advice from a financial expert to ensure that your client is getting a fair deal. Yeah. A a great example, Gabrielle, is uh, I had a case where I was negotiating just an equitable distribution, equitable payment, just a cash payment to kind of equalize the property distribution. We offered a pre-tax or yeah, pre-tax IRA in that amount. They took it, but it, actually, that hundred thousand wasn't a hundred thousand, right. and so that's kind of the pitfalls for clients. Now, Gabrielle, do you catch yourself, or are you working with the attorneys or the clients, or a combination of both in every case? 
Yeah. And it's different. It's different in every case. Some attorneys say just, you know, just just you deal with this and come back with a proposal that makes sense for us. So some of the you know, I work with a lot of um, executives who have complicated compensation, executive compensation packages, stock options, um, you know, restricted stock units, incentive stock options. So so things can get a little a little dicey. Um, and with my process, I'm able to deliver back to the attorney a lot of value saying this is this is the schedule that these options were granted. This is the strike price. This is the true value. Uh, we have a lot of private equity clients as well. So um, that's, you know, that's a whole different kettle of fish. Uh, so I'm working with the, the my client to get to the bottom of the different components of their of their compensation package or their assets. Um, and and working with the attorney, and maybe we bring in a you know business appraiser. We bring in family uh, family inheritance, uh, family uh, heirlooms to be appraised if that's something that's on the table. Um, we work with the state planning attorneys to look at the trusts and how this is all going to play into um, the settlement as well. So I'm, I'm working with, because of my background, I, you know, I can read trusts, I can read a tax return, I can, I can you know, read a, a brokerage statement and executive compensation plans uh, to understand sort of what's, what's, what's the bottom line here and what's the best way to divide it, what's on the table and what isn't. So I work with with everybody. Do you find yourself? Are you testifying as an expert in these cases, or are you just really working with the clients as a kind of? I'm thing? working with clients and attorneys. Yeah. I I've been. It's been threatened to have me come in as an expert in right. trial, but you know, they, it never gets that far. Right, and that's why I was wondering, especially when you're talking about uh, really planning and strategic, and really the money itself. I mean, you become the one person that knows intimately everything about that that client's financial picture. And their ability to pay spousal support. So it is a little bit dangerous, perhaps, as you're getting into it. But the fact that you haven't been called is is a good thing, obviously. Well, it's interesting. Today, this morning, I was working with a client um, projecting out um, her spouse's need. Alimony is based on need in Massachusetts. And we were saying he doesn't really need it. It doesn't matter that she has the ability to pay. We projected out. We did you know, we, we, we had all the numbers crunched right on paper, right in a whole chart year by year. What, what, what source of income, what about his RMDs? What about the tax effect? And at the end of the day, he still was going to be fine. And she's going to take that into trial with her and try to, her attorney will, yep. will educate the judge that he doesn't have the need. So it's that kind of support Litigation support if we're if we're going in that direction, or settlement support if um, if we're hopefully settling. In most cases, settling. It's it's typical. So, Aaron, obviously, we're talking about support and and trying to determine need, and we talk about the economics of divorce. I mean, obviously, you're employing uh, professionals like Gabrielle in your cases when dealing with maintenance, businesses, valuations, economic analysis, trying to determine, as Gabrielle mentioned, need. I'm assuming you've done quite a bit of that. Yes. Um, I find that the maintenance, hiring an expert to do just a maintenance calculation mm-hmm. is very, very helpful because they they do get down to um, sort of the brass tacks of it all and can then present to us. Our rules here in Missouri are very similar. You have to have the need but and the ability to pay. And there's, uh, you know, a handful of factors that the court can consider. But that is 
obviously those two factors, the ability to pay and your need, are the biggest factors. So to turn that over to an expert, have them crunch the numbers. And that, that's typically with people that have significant assets and, and income. Um, and, and have them crunch the numbers to get us the best number that mm-hmm. we know where we can start um, in, in negotiating. Um, so yeah, I find that I find using the experts, hiring the experts in those type of cases is very beneficial and helpful. So Gabrielle, right. I think I read you also have a, a monthly column, Ask Gabrielle. You can tell us yes, a little bit about that. In, yeah, it's in Boston Common um, Magazine and people write in and they ask questions and I respond in um, in the magazine. Sort of like a Dear Abby. Yeah, could be Dear Gabby. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I could be Dear Gabby. I, I should probably change it to that. Yeah. Um, but it's everything from, you know, what's a quadro? Um, mm-hmm. How do I hire an attorney? How do I fire my attorney? Right. Um, how do I- <laughs> never had that happen. Never. <laughs> never. <laughs> never. Never. Don't do that. Right. Uh, pick wisely. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's whatever can be answered in that framework. There's not a lot of space, of, but there, there, there are a number of questions, quick answers. Um, and, you know, hopefully it's, it's helpful to people, but I do get a lot of inquiries and, um, and I respond, uh, every month and it's been, it's been helpful. You mentioned pick wisely. Um, are you counseling clients before they've selected a family law attorney? Yes. And, so one of my first chapters is um, questions to ask, how to pick an attorney yeah. um, and, you know, what questions to ask an attorney. And, um, you know, but you don't want to, ha- if you can help it, you don't want to change attorneys. Right. It's just not economical. It's not efficient. Um, just really choose wisely, really understand how you're going to work with your attorney and how your attorney is going to work with you. You have to remember, which I, I know you know this, but, you know, uh, People, most people have never been involved in a lawsuit. They've never hired an attorney. And this is a, this is all new, new road for them. And, uh, they, they need a little bit of guidance and they need how, need to know how to approach this relationship. It's, it can be expensive. It can be adversarial. It's emotional. At, at most, it's emotional. And you really need to put your business hat on and understand what this journey is going to look like. You have a lot of decisions to make throughout this process. Make sure you have an attorney that you're aligned with, with respect to, you know, litigation process, be nice, be mean, jump on the table. And, you know, what, what's, what's their personality and how does, how do you work with that? Is that going to be okay for you? So um, typically, most of my clients do not change attorneys right. after having gone through this process because they choose it right the first yeah, time. Yeah, and I think it's—I mean, I think it's a low percentage as well uh, when they come yeah. here. Obviously, I, I just don't see a lot of them changing. Do you? No. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's very rare. Yeah. But I also think the way we handle initial consults. And then the person that does that consult may not be the person that has the case because I know when I'm assigning an attorney to a case, Mm -hmm. when they hire, I'm thinking about all of that. Um, What attorney's personality is going to mesh well with this client and um, their expertise and how many years they've been practicing. And if it's a complex case, I want a lawyer, I want to put a lawyer on it that can handle the case. Mm -hmm. And then we have a follow-up meeting with that person when the attorney is assigned just so that you can make sure that they that they work well. And I tell the the client or the potential client, if you don't like your attorney, we we've all got very thick skin. We've been doing this a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, we will will get you the best match for you because yeah. it is a process, and you've got to be able to rely on that lawyer. And they're paying. I, I never 
forget that they are paying you a lot of money mm-hmm. to um, to do what's in their best interest. Yeah. So you need to be able to get along, and you need to be able, you know, you need to be able to hold that person's hand through the the toughest period of their life. I've always said choosing a lawyer is like choosing a doctor. It's a very intimate, personal right. choice. It's- and you know, I've had doctors who. I never really liked, and and I so I would like I really don't want to go see him. You know, he's just not very not a good bedside manner. But then I've got some that are just fantastic. So I'll put Gabrielle on the spot, mm-hmm. uh, so people can get your book. But give me one question that our viewers want to ask their attorney that you think is important when they're trying to make that selection to identify whether it's a good fit or not. Do you have time for my case? Mm. That's a good exactly. one. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly right. You consider the the attorney you're going to sign it to. Their their calendar is yeah. just as important as everything else. You um Will Hollis who mm-hmm. is in our office. He says that he tells clients that um you know, we you don't want to hand it off to somebody who doesn't have who only has time to put out the fire. That's that's not good. You want somebody that's proactive because they've got the time. Yeah. Money's not that important. I've turned clients away because we're too busy. I'd rather shut the spigot off and say, you know what, Uh, if you're still, you know, available in a couple months, come see me. But I don't want it because I'm not going to make you happy and deliver the customer service that you're entitled to. Right, right. Yeah, that's a good one. Well, Gabrielle, uh, how can people reach you, find you? I know we talked about the magazine. We talked about the book, but mention it all. I know they'll have more questions, but I encourage them to to go buy the book and get more information, too. Sure. Um, www.gabrielleclemens.com. Or you can call me at 781-910-4770. And um, I'll be happy to take your call. But get the book. You yeah. might not need me. Well, find the book. I know I'm going to. It'd be interesting. I love the title. It's so, I love the title. Yeah, it's great. Because <laughs> Very it, to the point. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's my registered trademark. So Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah I saw the R and I'm like, oh, hmm, divorce is about money. I like it. It is. I mean, I guess it's it it's kind of the uh, four, it's the four letter word in in uh, divorce lawyers is money um, because <laughs> yeah. no one likes to talk money with their divorce lawyer, but it's true. So, Gabrielle, thank you so much. Great talking to you and uh, getting our our, uh, viewers uh, great information that they can use in their divorce and and post-divorce. Thank you. Thank you, Scott. Nice to see you, Aaron. Hi, nice to to meet you. (laughs) Well, continue to tune in to our podcast. We're going to continue to bring you even beyond this series about economics. We'll continue with my regular podcast you can find on iTunes, or you can go to our YouTube channel, again, where we have all kinds of information, including our virtual town halls, which we have one coming up, where we talk about uh, questions. You have them, we'll have answers. You can log in, log on, and get answers to the questions that you have We can find some of those virtual town halls on our YouTube channel as well. Or you can go to our website, CordellCordell.com, or find us across social. You'll find out some of the uh, information and those things that are coming up as well. So thanks for joining. That is the Economics of Divorce. And until next time, have a great week.